Jelani Day was a 25-year-old Illinois State University graduate student working on his master's in speech pathology when he went missing in August of 2021. Jelani was the second youngest of five siblings with two brothers and two sisters, and he was not only just a dedicated son to his mom and dad, Carmen Bolden Day and Seve Day, but he was actually in the process of donating bone marrow to his father. And I'm not 100% positive on the circumstances of the illness, and it's not really relevant here either, but he was so selfless and so giving and so supportive of his family that this is something that he was doing very soon for his dad. Now, when Jelani went missing, soon after and unrelated, Gabby Petito, a 22-year-old blonde-haired white female, went missing too. The media blew up with 24-7 coverage of Gabby's disappearance and the search for her then-fiancé, Brian Laundrie. The media attention received by Jelani and his family was minuscule in comparison and brought his mother to fight for the answers to her son's disappearance and subsequent death. I'm your host, Catherine Galvin, true crime lover, seeker of justice, and intuitive medium, and this is Murder and Mediumship. Now, before we dive fully into this case, I'd like to take a moment to thank my listeners and those who pledge my Patreon in support of the show. I've added a PayPal link to the show notes for anyone who would like to donate in support of production of the show without making a monthly pledge. Thank you for the reviews and especially to this one entitled Great Voice, as my nasally self super appreciates this comment. They write, I wait for a new episode every week. I enjoy her take on these cases, and it's not hard to leave the episode without being frustrated and sad with how they have been mishandled. Thank you so much for the review. I love these reviews, you guys, so keep them coming as they not only make me feel great, but they also allow the podcast to reach the ears of so many others, and that allows these voices to be heard and stories to be told. Please send any show requests to Catherine Galvin at CatherineAnnIntuitive.com. And again, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. No accusations are being made and everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Most of you listening have probably been around for a while. And if that's the case, you also know that I typically try to connect with each person who has passed. However, as a medium, However, in this case, I was drawn to use more of a psychic sense and less mediumship, and this case in and of itself was one that I stayed away from for a few reasons to begin with. Number one, it's still very new, and more information will continue to come out around his death and how it occurred. Number two, his family is deeply rooted in their Christian faith, and it would be disrespectful to them to stumble on this podcast and have them hear that I was connecting with their son in that sort of way. In fact, if you look up anything around this case on social media, please report any TikToks or YouTube videos with the spirit box recordings of Jelani as it has been expressed on their social media that they find it deeply disrespectful. I do not expect everyone to understand that this work is not demonic, but I still feel that there are huge social injustices at play here, and that is something that needs drawing attention to. So despite going back and forth on this case and on if I should research this and do this case or not, I decided to go ahead and do this because it kept coming to my attention and I really felt that it was something that even if I wasn't using any intuition around it, definitely needed more guidance and um, not guidance, but more attention drawn to it and more conversation about it. And not only about the disappearance of Jelani, but also the way that it was handled and 
the region in which he went missing and was found in. So I did use intuition around facts that are already known and what I feel is inaccurate or where we will come to find more information that could lead to things making more sense and or arrests being made. But I did not use any sort of mediumship connection with Jelani at all. So on August 24th, this was the last day that Jelani was seen and he can be seen on campus around 9.15 a.m. He was seen at Illinois State University on campus and then again at Beyond Hello Dispensary in Bloomington, Illinois. Originally from Danville, he was now living in Bloomington and attending ISU. After not showing up for a meeting with one of his professors and then failing to show up for a clinical appointment with a patient, followed by not responding to any messages or calls from said professor, she reported him missing. So this is before anyone in his family reports him missing. So once he's reported missing, police come to his house looking for him and Jelani's brother, Seve, called their mom, Carmen, alerting her to the fact that police are looking for his brother, Jelani, and her son, and that he had been reported missing by this professor. So his mom then calls Jelani and messaged him, call me back ASAP, and then messaged him again. And after no response, she got in touch with the authorities as well. And this was on August 25th. Now you can watch an interview with her, which I will post all links to the interviews that I watched, but she's interviewed with Dr. Oz and you can see her talking about, regardless of whatever you think about him or his show, she's interviewed on there and it was a pretty good interview to um, gain a lot of information from. She talked about how her children and the way that they were also deeply supportive of each other and how they always answered. And if they didn't answer, then they knew they had to answer. If they received something like call me back ASAP, it was never ignored by them. They, you can tell, have a lot of respect and trust and faith in their parents. And she talked a lot about how she and Jelani would talk all the time that Jelani even called her from Puerto Rico when he was on vacation just to talk to her. So it just goes to show you how close that they were. And when a mother's instinct says something's wrong, they're usually right. So on August 26th, his white Chrysler was discovered in Peru, Illinois, which not far from a YMCA building, but roughly 60 miles north of Bloomington. So according to multiple sources, the clothing he was seen wearing at the dispensary was in the vehicle. And other sources, as well as his mother in interviews, have mentioned that the license plates were removed from his vehicle. On our Patreon account, and I'll make it publicly available, I'm going to post a video of an interview with Carmen Day talking to a reporter from Channel 5 News in Chicago, and she's taking her back into the woods to show her where Jelani's car was found. And it's really worth watching. It's not a very long interview. It's definitely worth watching because what you're able to see is that this isn't just pulled off, like barely off the road into a little bit of like a patch of trees. It's a wooded area. They're walking down a trail to show you where his car was put. It definitely was not just this little patch of trees like some other news sources kind of have you envisioning until you see it in this interview. So watch the video and you'll see for yourself. But again, that'll be on our Patreon and it will be public. The link will be in the show notes. On September 1st, his mom, as well as other friends and family members, start searching Peru, Illinois. And on the 3rd, over 100 people gather at ISU Bone Student Center to help with the search effort. 
And while the campus community and fraternity brothers that Jelani was in a fraternity, while the brothers and campus community are surrounding his family with support, it's been mentioned that few of his friends from back home, the local friends, rallied or reached out to Carmen and her family. So similarly, the police didn't seem to have much motivation in finding Jelani, which is painstakingly obvious in the way that the case was handled, especially when you're looking at it going neck and neck with the disappearance of Gabby Petito and how quickly every law enforcement agency under the sun jumped to find her. So anyway, on September 2nd, his wallet was found by police a few blocks from where east of where his car was found. On September 4th, a very badly decomposed body was found in search in a search off of the south bank of the Illinois River in LaSalle County, which is about nine miles north of Peru, after a tip had come through. And it would take until September 23rd, this is 19 days later, for LaSalle County coroner to announce that the body was that of missing ISU grad student Jelani Day. In between that time, on September 11th, Gabby Petito's case blew up all over the media, all over social media, absolutely national and even international news. Jelani's mom cried out, do you see us? Do you not see me? Do you not see my son? He is loved. He is wanted. He is important. And once more, missing white woman syndrome drives the media as a person of color's family is left to lead their own investigation. He was missing for weeks before any national media attention was granted to the family. And even on a personal level, I can definitely say that People reach out to me all the time asking me what I think about whatever case is going on that's in the media or something that was maybe more local to them. People reach out all the time asking me to feel into different cases. However, I can't even tell you how many people ask me to feel into the Gabby Petito case, which I, I didn't because I felt like it was gaining enough attention and it wasn't really for me to do. And you could tell it was going to play out the way that it was meant to play out anyway. However, with Jelani, only one person asked me to feel into this and it made me a little crazy because I was following this case too and just kind of shocked that we're still in this place where, I mean, I know we're still in this place. You guys have listened to the episodes that I've done thus far, but come on, he's missing for weeks before any national media attention was granted to the family. The media will continue to put out what it is that the people ask for. I mean, to a certain degree, yes, but we're the ones who pick and choose based on what we watch. So let's be a little bit more choosy and put our money where our mouth is. If we want to see the differences made, we've got to make it known that we want to see these differences made. The coroner report listed Jelani's cause of death as a drowning. But because of the level of decomposition that his body was in, it couldn't really be proven or disproven that there was water in his lungs showing drowning as the actual cause of death. It was listed as such because of the fact that he was found in the water. Jelani's family couldn't accept this for a multitude of reasons. First off, they can't prove that it was drowning. And Jelani was a strong swimmer, so this simply didn't make sense to them. Second, the toxicology report showed nothing in his system that would impair his ability to swim or even cause any kind of mental duress, breakdown, or incoherence. Furthermore, the police didn't just rule Jelani's death as a drowning, but it was called a suicide. And this is their answer when Jelani was found without his shoes, socks, or shorts on, which were found nearby the river on a state access road by two female ISU students. 
So when these females find the clothes and turn them into police, Carmen wanted to thank them for it, but they refused to speak with her. And they actually had both already hired attorneys, which is interesting considering that all they did was find the evidence. Further, the clothing was found just a few miles from his car with the license plates removed, again, just to remind you, and that was 60 miles north of ISU. So it just seems off that they happened to stroll down a state access road along the river while they're out bored and looking for clues as to what happened to Jelani. Like, what the hell? So also from other reports, I had heard that the clothing was found in an area that had already been searched. So I'm not sure what to do with that, but that is what was reported. More alarm bells ring for Mrs. Day as his wallet is then found a few blocks away from the clothing and away from his vehicle. An eyewitness claims to have seen Jelani ditching his wallet and walking away, but who would even notice someone dropping their wallet? I mean, come on, everyone is so consumed in what we're doing on our phones and and tablets and our music and whatever else is going on around us. I feel like it's really hard to believe that someone would look up, see Jelani dropping his wallet and make that mental note. And also if you see someone dropping your wallet and maybe this is just me, but wouldn't you call out? I mean, like, excuse me, sir. I think you dropped this or Hey man, the spell or anything. It's just so bizarre. On November 15th, Jelani's phone was found and the screen was broken, but it will be evaluated by digital forensics. And the man who found the phone has spoken to Jelani's mom and has confirmed for her that he had taken the phone to Walmart up the road, who had then turned it into authorities. So if the phone is in fact working, then Jelani's family is hoping that it will lead to answers as to who he was with and where and why he was where he was. I want to take a second here to say too that If you have your phone locked so that people can't get into it, I would make sure that at least somebody knows the password. I make sure that someone has the passwords to my stuff just in case anything would ever happen to me. Maybe it's from listening to too much true crime and watching too much true crime, but it just feels like a smart idea to make sure that somebody would be able to access like your bank records, your phone records, your like live phone action, what's happening on there just in case anything were to ever happen so that the police don't have to jump through all of these loops to get to it. And this is actually something that obviously I learned on um, Crime Chunkies podcast, but I will always advocate for that because I just, people have to know how to find you. Anyway, the thing is about where his car was found and the way that his mom described it. You have to know about that spot near the YMCA. It's something so hidden and up one hill, down another, and around some turns. You'd have to know it was there the way that a local would know is what I mean. So someone passing through or someone who had never been there before, like Jelani, wouldn't have known to park his car there, let alone to then ditch his wallet, walk a few miles, and throw himself shoeless, sockless, and shirtless into the Illinois River to kill himself 60 miles away from his apartment and school and remove his license plates and all that. Like what the hell? So doesn't make any sense, obviously at all. And then the rumors around this case have become an even bigger problem for law enforcement, as well as for Jelani's family. Not only are they dealing with people messaging them about having Jelani in a spirit box and, and knowing who did X, Y, and Z and threatening the people who are being accused of things that they're not even officially being accused of. 
this is detracting from any effort that law enforcement is actually putting into the case and putting the focus on wild rumors and speculation and arrests for like libel and slander and stuff like that instead. So if you have read or seen anywhere that Jelani's autopsy showed that he was missing organs and eyeballs and whatever else, this was fabricated and simply untrue, which Carmen has gone on record saying about her son's body and his case. The unfortunate thing is once something is reported, it's kind of hard to take that back. If you never go back and read more about this, then this may be the story that you're passing forward and it's just untrue. So she had asked the public to stay focused on what was happening, that this wasn't a case of organ harvesting. This is something to do with that her son was murdered. It wasn't a suicide. Nothing makes sense to have been a suicide. So let's focus on that. So she went on record to invalidate those claims. And I mean, losing a child and knowing that it's murder while law enforcement skirts around their investigation has got to be hard enough without having to ask others to stop such hurtful rumors. Okay. I always struggle transitioning to these, but doing the work that I do as an intuitive coach and as a psychic medium allows me to be able to fund projects like murder and mediumship. My Black Friday sale has been extended through the 5th of November, so if you book a 45 or 60 minute reading by November 30th, your reading can be a future date, you get 30% off using code SPREADLOVE. If you book between December 1st and December 5th, you can get 20% off 45 or 60 minute readings using code SHAREDLOVE. Gift certificates are also available, and if you have sought out personal one-on-one coaching with me before, now through the end of December, I am taking $500 off per month of my three-month program, making it far more affordable for those of you looking to connect with your self-worth and love yourself in a way that you have never loved yourself before. So if you're ready, I am too. The results of the third autopsy were revealed to the public before they were ever even brought to the family again, according to some sources, which I find very disrespectful and sincerely hope that that is false. But as far as Jelani's phone goes, his mother wants the FBI to investigate the phone and to take over the case as she feels and rightfully so that no one in local law enforcement or state has taken Jelani's homicide investigation as seriously as they should or with the level of motivation that they should. The chain of custody and the evidence that they do have is compromised, and they miss things that civilians have found on their own, with little to no explanation as to why they were able to find evidence like this in the first place, like his clothing, and so quickly. So Jelani's family is convinced that something happened to him before his body hit the water, and intuitively, I would agree that he was deceased or at least close to it before he was thrown in the river. However, the FBI will not take over as they have found no major flaws in the investigation and while they are assisting in the investigation, they refuse to take the lead. The Day family has hired a private investigator who had a coroner and his team look at Jelani's body for another autopsy. Sergio Ceratella, without looking at the LaSalle County Coroner Report, also said that there were no obvious signs of foul play or injury to being submerged prior to being submerged in the river but that this doesn't mean that there was no prior injury or foul play, as the body being in the water for 11 days would have erased much of the evidence, which was only exacerbated by the August heat in Illinois. As Sergio Stratelli put it, Mother Nature was not on their side for this autopsy. He was able to take DNA samples to make sure that this was in fact the body of Jelani Day, which to my knowledge has not been released yet, though like many others, I do believe that this was him.
And I'd like to take a moment to talk about the town that his vehicle was found in. Peru, Illinois is what is known as a quote sundown town. And I didn't know what this meant to be honest. So we're going to learn a little bit today. When I was watching an interview with Carmen, I believe it was the Dr. Oz interview, but I'm not positive anymore. She mentioned how Peru was a sundown town, and I had no idea what that meant, so I looked it up. And most of us are probably familiar with the Jim Crow South, but few are likely familiar with sundown towns. These are towns where people of color are told not to be found hanging around after the sun goes down, or they will be harassed or even injured or killed. These towns are established as an effort of areas outside of the South, mainly the Midwest, but also Northern and Western states, where there was a covert effort to keep people of color out. They were allowed to work and shop in these towns, but often you would find signs that would be in the entrance to the town seeing things such as N-word, don't be found here after the sun goes down. And these signs would be burned and destroyed so that federal authorities couldn't find the towns or intervene. And as pointed out by author Candace Taylor, who spent the summer of 2021 researching these towns and visiting them, this is one more way that the U.S. has erased history and evidence of a racist past as well as present. Most of these towns no longer operate on laws or rules around the segregation of the BIPOC community from them, but they do continue to operate as sundown towns based on fear and tradition. That being said, sundown towns are still very much in existence. These are places where you're going to find um, a larger existence, a more prominent existence of the KKK, of the Proud Boys, of organizations that are very anti-anyone who isn't white. And while Taylor cites that some of these towns have seen an increase in BIPOC citizens, they still remain 80 to 90% white. And even more striking she found that the majority of the BIPOC community found in these towns are either in jail or in prison. So she followed a travel guidebook known as the Green Book that highlighted places that were safe for travelers of color to shop, sleep, and even drive through without harassment or threat of their safety and general well-being. This being said, she took note that many of these towns still weren't safe places to be after the sun goes down. And this book was first published for use. Um, it was published between 1936 and 1967. In hearing that, most of us can identify with ourselves, parents, or grandparents on being alive while these powerful suggestions were in effect in areas thought to be safe for the BIPOC community. This book was published during the second great migration of people of color from the South to the North and other areas in an effort to escape racial terrorism and oppression in Jim Crow South. Though it is clear that it wasn't necessarily escapable, just more of a muted or hidden kind of thing in other areas of the country. So Peru, Illinois, like I said, is still known as a sundown town today, with its roots deeply rooted in racist legislation and politics. And you may work there as a person of color, but it's majority white and not necessarily safe even today for anyone who isn't white. So People from this area, according to Carmen Day, have come to her and thanked her for bringing light to the racism that is still there, to what is going on there and the violence and other deaths that have been ruled as suicides, none of which I'm going to get into, but mysterious deaths that don't make any sense, like Jelani's. And there's someone who has raised um, public eye but has not been named as a person of interest in Jelani's death, 
but she has relations to people whose political roots run deep in Bloomington, Illinois, Peru, Illinois, and in politics in Missouri as well. And I won't mention any names as I do not wish to cause harm to anyone as everyone is innocent until proven guilty. And this podcast is of course for entertainment purposes only. But when we look at cases like this, we cannot help but draw a line back to Emmett Till. And if you haven't listened to my breakdown of that case, please do so after listening to this one. Again, a mother of a person of color is made to do the legwork of the police as well as the media while others are born with, with, while others born with lighter skin are afforded the privilege of being looked for, of being seen on the media, of being seen as more important by whoever it is that calls these shots. Enough is enough. Things like this, like the brutal murder of Emmett Till, a 14-year-old being practically beaten to death, made to carry the gin fan that he, the cotton gin fan that he is tied to and thrown into the river with because a white woman falsely accused him of making a pass at her, who then recanted her story six decades later with no punishment for essentially getting him killed. Like the suspicious death of Kendrick Johnson and the obvious murder of Jelani Day. This is going to continue to happen until we force the media and politicians in the country to pay attention to the voices we have oppressed for far too long. Jelani Day, Matthew Grant, Emmett Till, Kendrick Johnson, Relisha Rudd, Ashley Heavyrunner, Daisy Mayheath, Adam Castillo, Destiny Harrison. These people are important and they mattered and they continue to matter to their loved ones and to the world. It's time to speak their names and search for their justice, just like we have for every missing white woman who has garnered national media attention when she's gone. Where are the movies? Where are the cries for justice? Where are the faces glued to the television waiting for whatever scumbag did this to them to get justice as well? If this were your child, wouldn't you fight like hell? Wouldn't you want the rest of the world to fight like hell too? As of today, Recording this episode, there is a petition for the FBI to take over formal investigation of Jelani's death. Last I looked, it was at 33,676 signatures when I signed it. While you're listening to this episode close out, click in the show notes and sign it. It'll take you two seconds and could make a world of difference for one mother looking for her son's killer and for so many to come after him if we can change the direction of the media's presence in the missing and murdered people of color. I recently read somewhere and I wish that I could remember exactly where it was, but essentially what was said was that it's not enough to be just not racist. It's about being actively anti-racist. That is going to help make the shift and make these changes. And I really would encourage you to think about what that means for you and how you can be actively anti-racist rather than just not racist yourself. And again, and as always, thank you for listening to Murder and Mediumship. And please share this episode, leave a review so that we can share these stories in an effort to make changes that the media has yet to make.